Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. How's everybody doing this morning? Somebody smile at your neighbor. Something. Tell them you love them. Say it like you mean it. If you don't mean it, don't say it. You know, I love y'all. I do. I love you, Brother Gene. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and get ready. If you want to go ahead and get that out. While you're doing that, I do take a moment again as I do when I get to teach. I thank our wonderful pastor, First Lady, for the opportunity to minister here at our church. I also give honor to my wife this morning for allowing me to have a little moment of solitude where I got to study and prepare this morning. But I do want to say the month of November is an amazing when you think how we are in the month of November. Where did the time go? How many of y'all loved the extra hour of sleep you got today? That's awesome. I loved it, but I didn't get to feel it because I have a little one that was up all night. So pray for my wife. She was up with him. But I do want to say that now that we're in the month of November, we're going to do a new series in this month. And we're going to focus our attention on the topic of wisdom. Wisdom. How many of you want wisdom? right? We do. We want wisdom. Have you ever looked back on a situation and thought, man, I could have handled that better, right? Or you look over a period of time in your life where it was a struggle, right? And you look back and you're like, man, I could have made different decisions. I could have handled myself in a better way. Um, How many opportunities, how many doors have you missed because you weren't wise in a particular season of your life. If you've only been a little bit wiser, maybe you could have taken advantage instead of, you know, what did happen, or maybe you could have seen a better outcome. But as we go through this month, I pray that we as a church, we would grow in wisdom. Amen? So let's get to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you want to turn there. And we're going to read somewhat of a lengthy passage of Scripture. I think we can make it 11 verses this morning. But we're going to start in verse 20. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Bible. Help uh, our English a little bit because there's some wordplay going on here. But Paul writes and says here, where is the wise person? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not come to know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified and... That message being preached to Jews, it's a stumbling block, and to Gentiles, it's considered foolishness. Verse 24, but 
to those who are the called. Doesn't matter who you are, both Jew and Greek. This message preached is Christ, the power of God, and it's the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than mankind, and the weakness of God is stronger than mankind. For consider your calling, Paul says, brothers and sisters, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, nor not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the insignificant things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no human may boast before God, but it is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. Would you lift your voice to the Lord and pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for, God, what's going to be an awesome day here at our church. Lord, I thank you for, God, your word. I thank you, Lord, God, how you give us instruction. God, you help us, God, to grow in you. And I pray, Lord, as we, God, study in this Sunday school hour, I pray, God, would you open your word to us, help us to glean from it, help us to grow in it, help us to learn, God, and get closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name, I pray you may be seated. And I would like to teach this morning on this thought, choosing wisdom, choosing wisdom. So as I start or as I begin this morning, I want to start off with a word of caution. Perhaps many would call this a warning notice. Have you ever had one of those on your door? Like your mortgage is due, warning, first time, right? Or you, this bill, this credit card statement, one time, here's your notice, right? But I want to start off with a little bit of caution. And the word of caution is simply this. Be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you pray for. Can I get an amen this morning from anybody? Have you ever prayed for something? And when God finally answers that prayer, you realize perhaps you might have prayed for the wrong thing. Right? Perhaps you weren't really ready for what God would do to answer your prayer. Perhaps you thought you knew, right? Because we have this notion in our minds that, God, this is exactly what we want. But those thoughts that you had, your thinking led you astray when God actually gave you what you asked for, right? Can anyone testify this morning as you look over your life and the things you've prayed for? And it's, it's dangerous sometimes, Maybe not physically, but certainly mentally and emotionally, it's dangerous to pray for certain things. Like if you pray for patience, that is a dangerous prayer to pray, right? Even praying for wisdom can be a dangerous prayer to pray. Patience and wisdom are hard subjects to pray for and receive from God because they're things that we all of us desire them, but when it's time for us to receive them or when it's time for us to actually put that into practice, put that concept into action, 
everything becomes difficult, right? Things become challenging. If you ever prayed for patience, God will put you in scenarios where you're like, what in the world is going on? It's just like it will test you in, in, in many ways you didn't think you, you, or you know you're not ready for, but God will put you in that scenario saying this is what you asked for. This is what you're going to get. And, it, and it's the reason why is because God wants to build that within us. But oftentimes we're just not ready for it. And as we, as we focus on this topic of wisdom, and even as I go through this lesson today and as the weeks go by in November where we talk about this, one of the obstacles, one of the roadblocks, you're going to see this recurring theme. Every person has to face this. But if you want wisdom, then you're going to have to deal with your pride. Somebody say pride. Are you a prideful person? Would you consider yourself a prideful person? How many know someone who is prideful? Right? It's, it's pride is a weird dynamic because it looks different sort of for everyone. But there's moments in life we can all agree where our pride has risen up in us. Pride today looks like a lot of different things. It looks like our ego sometimes. It can be our opinion on something. How many have never want to let go? I just got to be right. I don't want to let go of my opinion. So my pride gets in the way. I have an amen. Brother Tyler, I'm with you. I feel you on that. Um, but it also can be our arrogance over something or our dependence on ourself. Like I don't want to follow the directions of a, something I have to build. I know I can do it myself. So I don't want to let my pride get in the way and have to look at that manual or that instruction you know, pack it because I don't need that thing. It doesn't matter if I'm missing three screws at the end of this process. It doesn't matter. I did it. I built it. I made it. It's exactly how it's supposed to be, right? And then it falls apart later, and we're like, I should have just followed the instructions. But pride, it is self-gratification or self-admiration. And sometimes pride is not about how others view you. Really, it's about how you view yourself. The reason why we have to address this issue of pride is because it often or really it does lead us away from the wisdom that God wants to give us. And the first point I want to make this morning is that humility is required in order to obtain the wisdom that God wants to give us. We're going to look at Proverbs a lot, but Proverbs chapter 11 says that when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Another translation says pride leads to disgrace. You can, you can make a fool of yourself out of pride, but with humility comes wisdom. And we don't like humility because of how it makes us not just feel, but how it puts us in kind of the hierarchy of things in our life. But humility is the posture that acknowledges our dependence on God. Humility opens us up to the sanctifying work of the Holy Ghost. But if you're prideful, then pride will close you off to how the Lord is trying to transform you. Right? We talked about praying for patience. If you don't have, if you don't have humility when God is trying to put patience in you, right, then your pride is going to get in the way of what God is trying to transform in you. So we must prepare our hearts to receive 
God's wisdom. And in order to do that, we must be humble. How many of you know a know-it-all in your life? You know somebody that knows anything and everything, or they think they know anything and everything, right? Somebody, sometimes people look at us that way. I'm going to let that sort of hang there. And, and sometimes that's not a terrible idea because a lot of us, we know what we're talking about when we're passionate about something, right? If you're passionate about a certain topic, you know everything and anything. You study, you research that topic. I have a friend who he loves history, and he just throws out random facts. You could be in the middle of talking, hey, I'm going to Boston. Well, did you know in Boston in 1842 that such and I don't need to know that. Like, I don't, I don't need to. But he just throws it in there just to say that he knows it. I'm like, bro, I, I love that you know it, but I could care less what happened way back when, right? But knowledge, which is what a lot of know-it-alls have, right, knowledge doesn't always equal wisdom. There's this famous Irish rugby, rugby player, and this is an interesting thing. His name Brian O'Driscoll. He is known for saying that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. If you didn't know that, there's a fact for the day. But wisdom, he says, is knowing not to put that tomato in a fruit salad. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit, right? That's the, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. We need to acknowledge, first of all, we don't know it all. Can you raise your hand and say, I don't know it all? My children, they watch uh, Disney Junior or whatnot, and there's this episode that comes to mind. And one of the parents, the kids is like, Dad, do you know everything? And he's like, I know everything. And then through the course of the episode, the child keeps pointing out everything the dad doesn't know. Dad, why is the light turning green? And he just keeps changing the subject. Because... They realize their father doesn't know everything, even though he acts like or tries to act like he knows it all. But we need to acknowledge that we don't know everything. And we need humility in order to even acknowledge that. But we also need humility to obtain wisdom. Because there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge, they're facts, they're information. Knowledge can also be Skills that we acquire through experience or education. But wisdom is the soundness of an action or a decision that we make that really shows our skill set in good judgment. That's really the difference. Do you have good judgment of when to apply that knowledge, of when to apply the experience that you know? Do you have the wisdom to use it the right way? And if you've ever studied this topic of wisdom in the word of God, then you've likely read about King Solomon at some point in time. Maybe you've even circled some scriptures in the Bible that he wrote. Many of us can quote famous scriptures by King Solomon, and we know them by heart. If you don't know, Solomon is the primary writer of the book of Proverbs. He also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he's got his own Song of Solomon in the Bible. Um, but most famously, Solomon is remembered for asking God for wisdom when God offers him anything that he could want. First Kings chapter 3 tells us this story. First Kings chapter 3 and verse 5, it says that in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said to Solomon, ask what I shall give thee. What do you want? I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, thou hast 
showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Solomon says, O now, O Lord my God, thou hast made made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And he says this, I am but a little child. I don't know how to go out or how to come in. Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people. He's asking for wisdom, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. In verse 11, and God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and you didn't ask for long life, neither did you ask for riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise unto thee. Now, I want you to think about this question God asked Solomon. How many of us put in in position like Solomon was? You're king, king over this nation. You're the third king ever for the nation of Israel. How many of you would have asked for wisdom in that moment? I just want to, you don't have to, to physically call out, but I want you to just think about it. How many of you would have asked for wisdom, right? Here we have God offering anything you could want, and we see the best response happened to be wisdom. It had me thinking as I was studying this, how often when God communicates with us, how often when God starts dealing with us on little things, not just big things like you're a king, right, but on little things, when God asks you what you want in, the circum- in a certain situation you're facing in your life, how many of us ask for wisdom rather than asking for something else? I'm going to let, let you start, sort of sink that, think about that. Because I know in my life when God is dealing with me on certain things, I have a tendency to say, God, I want you to get me out of this circumstance. God, I want you to take away this thorn in my side, like Paul, like Paul prayed. God, I want you to handle that person that did me wrong. Those are small little things God can take care of easily. How better off would we be asking for wisdom in how to handle that scenario, rather than asking for anything else that we could think of on the top of our head? And it made me think a little bit, if God, when God starts dealing with us on small things, Having a heart and mind that's humble, like Solomon had, we're talking about humility again, seeking wisdom in that small thing, how much more will God begin to open up bigger things for us? Because that's what he did for Solomon. Since Solomon asked for wisdom, God said, you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for a long life, you didn't ask for me to handle your enemies, I'm going to give you all that stuff too, but you asked for humility and you asked for wisdom first. And understand You know, we don't get to know Solomon's age when he first became king. I tried to study this out, and many theologians say Solomon was either somewhere between 12 to his mid-20s. And I have to imagine 
Solomon, now that he is going to become the third king of Israel, he had to understand the scenarios and things that his father David went through. He probably heard stories about how King Saul was trying to kill his father, right? Solomon wasn't ignorant to the drama that his father had to go through as king, right? David fought in a whole lot of wars. David was a man of war. Solomon's own mother, Bathsheba, was part of a scandal with David, right? His half-brother, Absalom, tried to overthrow his father, King David. All of this, Solomon probably, whether he's a little child or if he's a young adult, these things are probably playing in his mind when God is speaking to him, asking him what would he want. But yet, despite knowing the type of king he might be based upon past experience, we find out he ignores all that and asks for wisdom. Many times, we like to treat the Lord like a genie in a bottle. We want God to grant our wishes. But Solomon knew better in this instance not to waste what God was asking him, not to waste it on gifts or gold, but rather he wanted to get wisdom. Rather than setting himself above all the other things he could have had, he set aside his pedigree, he set aside his power, and he looked at or answered from a mindset of humility because he wanted to be the leader that God wanted him to be and that the people needed him to be. Many consider Solomon perhaps to be the wisest man to have ever lived. And I would argue that Solomon is definitely up there, but he's a distant second. The wisest was Jesus Christ. Solomon was definitely, though, set apart from anyone else in his time. Sadly, though, as wise as Solomon was, unfortunately, we know Solomon did not always follow the ways of wisdom. First Kings chapter 11 now tells us this. First Kings 11 verses 1 through 4, I'm sorry, it says, But King Solomon, here he is now, he loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. These were the nations which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But the Bible says Solomon clave unto these women in love. Verse 3 says he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. That is not wise one bit. I'm sorry. That is not wise. I mean, God said one man and one flesh. I mean, one woman and one flesh shall come together and be one flesh, right? That's what I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But I'm just looking back on history. When there's more than one wife in the scenario, look at that Jacob, there's just drama. Too much drama, too many mamas. But um, <laughs> here we have Solomon. This is just not wise. Verse 4 says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David, his father. And when you look at the kingdom that Solomon was king during, or, or you could say Solomon built, but really God blessed him with this kingdom. So he really kind of inherited it from David, his father. But here we have Solomon. He reaches the pinnacle of royalty on earth. He's known far and wide for 
being wise. He has an acute understanding. But at some point in Solomon's life, the wisdom that he had became theory without proper application. It turned from wisdom kind of back to knowledge. He knew good things, but how to apply those good things started to get out of order. And now as an older man, Solomon needed the humility that he possessed as a young man. That's what he, that's what he lacked. As he got old, somewhere along the line, he lost sight of what he asked God for. And, and now um, he needed the humility that he possessed as a young man to continue walking in all the wisdom that God had given him. So let's focus a little bit on some of Solomon's writings when he was a young man now, filled with humility. We're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're really going to kind of look in this whole proverb kind of throughout the whole, uh, throughout the whole length of this uh, chapter. Proverbs 3 contains some of the most often quoted verses we talk about when we talk about pursuing God, and we know that God is the source of all wisdom. But Let's start in Proverbs 3 and 5. We know this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean what? Lean not unto thine own understanding. Verse 6 says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. These two verses challenge us as we talk about wisdom and humility. They challenge us to override our human inclination to trust in our own ability, right? God has given every one of us a mind. We get to choose. You know, God gives us this power of choice. We get to approach situations logically, but we must have the humility, the Bible tells us here, to avoid leaning on our own understanding, right? As I talked a little bit earlier, and actually I'm going to come back to that. Let me, I'm skipping ahead of my notes real quick, but Verse 6 says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, right? And he shall direct thy paths. I thought about that. We talk about we need wisdom. We need wisdom to know which way to go, right? Verse 6, another translation says, in order to acknowledge God, in all thy ways, other translations say to seek his will in all that we do. Or in every single way that we can, we should submit to him. Other translations say, don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything that you do. And let me ask you, how many of us take the time to actually slow down and actually do that? To acknowledge him, to seek him in everything that we do. I'm not talking about what food should you eat today. But I'm talking about in every decision that you make. I thought about this. When you're at work and that coworker is getting on your nerves or you get an email that just makes you angry because you're like, I just told you this is what I just sent to you. And now you have to respond to that person. Do you stop and acknowledge God so that he can direct you on the right way to answer, so that he can direct you on the right response to have? Or do we just push on? Right. And do we just get on with our day? Do we take time to really seek God in every way? Proverbs, the next verse in Proverbs chapter three tells us, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And the reason I want to hold up and pause on this is because oftentimes 
our eyes, our perspective may not always be the right perspective. How many of you have ever seen something or walked up into a conversation and you know what they're talking about? Because you catch the tail end of that conversation. Ooh, they said something about me. I heard my name in there. And what do we do? Our mind starts to just, boom, rapid fire. Ooh, they must have said this. They must have said that. And a lot of times, because of what we see with our eyes, we think we know what's happening. But that's our perspective. How many know even if we think we're right, we should humble ourselves and ask God, is what I'm seeing right? Because oftentimes... We can only see what's in front of us. We can't see what's happening over here as much as you might think you got peripheral vision. You can't see what's happening over here. You can't see what's behind you. The only perspective you have are what you see with your two eyes. And this is implying that if you're wise, then you'll actually double check what you're seeing. How many of you ever saw something then you're like, am I really seeing that right? And you got to take a second and double check what you're actually seeing. This is what being wise is what the Bible is telling us to do. As carpenters say, measure twice, but cut that thing once. We must have the humility to pray for God's view of the situation because he sees things from a 40,000-foot perspective. We're stuck looking at things on this plane, and God's like, I see your future way out there. And We're stuck sometimes because we think what we see is, is the only perspective when God might have a whole entire different perspective of what's happening in our situation. I said this earlier, but have you ever looked back now on a situation? And you're like, man, if I had just been patient enough to wait, or if I had wisdom enough to trust God, even because what I'm seeing in front of me might not be, be what I want, or might be you know, what's happening in this frame or this point in time, God is the one who, if we just trusted in him and believed in the wisdom that he's going to give us, a lot of times our scenarios, our issues, our obstacles in our way would end up a whole lot different if we would just be wise enough. So the next point I kind of want to make this morning as I'm going through my notes here is if you follow the wisdom of the Lord, then it will lead to great reward. Following the wisdom of the Lord leads to great rewards If you put your finger on Proverbs 3, we're going to turn back to that now. Skipping down to verse 8, it says that this wisdom, as we're talking about wisdom, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. We have health. How many want good health? Hopefully all of us, right? We all want good health. But we do have health, not just physically, spiritually, emotionally, any way you can think of when we humble ourselves and follow the will and wisdom of God. When you start to apply the wisdom from God, he will increase you. He'll give you those things that you need and more. That's what he did with Solomon. When Solomon asked for wisdom, God blessed him with everything else. Proverbs 3 and 10 speaks of new wine literally bursting forth from our presses. And that's, if you want to point it into a spiritual application, that happens as well. When we follow the wisdom of the Holy Ghost, we see a great outpouring of revival. When we follow God's wisdom, how many know others are impacted? 
It's not just you who gets wise, but everyone else around you is made better off because of the wisdom that God puts in you. Others are blessed when you follow the wisdom of God. And yes, God will bless you spiritually, physically, emotionally, even financially. God will bless you when we obey the wisdom found in his word. But the wisdom God gives will also bless other people through us. Continuing on, Proverbs 3 now in verse 11, he says, My son, despise not the chastening. You can even impact wisdom right there of the Lord. Neither be weary of the correction that God hands out. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. And if we are willing to receive these blessings that come through wisdom, we must also be willing to receive, this is wisdom too, the correction from the Lord. It's one thing to have humility because we want to be wise, but it's quite another thing to accept the chastening of the Lord and admit when we've done something wrong. That earlier verse that says, be not wise in your own eyes, right? When we've made the wrong decision, instead of leaning on the wisdom of God, we need to admit it. We need to say, God, I was wrong. If I had only prayed, if I had only sought what your will might be in this circumstance, then maybe I wouldn't be where I am right now. How many know we live in such a, uh, how's the best way to put it? We live in such a me first world, such an individualistic type of world that everyone else will tell you, do what you want to do. Everyone else will tell you, you know, your way is the right way. And that, hearing that type of mentality all around us makes it difficult to embrace humility. It makes it difficult even because even you see this. How many of you, when you first came in the church, when you started getting into the word of God and God started disciplining you on certain things, how many of you, your pride rose up and said, "Uh uh-uh. God, you're telling me I need to do what? I need to tithe 10%, Lord? Your pride rises up. God, but what about such and such and such? You know, if we want to be called disciples, that means discipline, there's that word too, is also part of the process. If you want the wisdom of God, you got to be willing to accept correction. Everyone is so focused on me, myself, and I, right? But we need to admit that we're pretty selfish individuals sometimes. And the self-centered view gets in the way of what God is trying to build in us. I talked earlier about how God wants to transform us, but that pride that we have gets in the way. Our world has gone so far away from what the word of God declares because to them, everything is right in their own eyes. They're wise in their own eyes and they can't see anything else. Proverbs 14 and 12 tells us there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Another proverb, 21 and 2, says every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. And so while there's nothing wrong with having a self-care or pursuing lofty goals even, godly goals, We must humble ourselves to advance the right way in order to achieve those goals. We would do well to remember 1 Peter 
5 and 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I asked earlier, right, how many of us would look back on a circumstance? How many of you would, if you would have just let time play out rather than, you know, put your hands in the pie, then you would have seen what God wanted you to do. It reminds me of Ishmael, right? And, and Abraham and Sarah, they just, they couldn't wait any longer. So they just made their own promise from God. And if we're not careful, we can do that too and not be wise enough to be disciplined enough, to be humble enough to wait on God. Humility respects the sovereignty of God and helps us recognize that God's timing and our own timing often differ. I would say they differ a whole lot, probably. We must all embrace humility to stay faithful to the will and wisdom of God in our life. Following God's wise plans for our lives, they will lead to reward. They will. I mean, I see it in the word of God. We know in the end we win. The church wins if we will follow the wisdom of the Lord. But we should not behave wisely just so that we can get the reward. I want to kind of put that in your thinking. We don't do what we do just to get the reward. That's not, that's not why we do it. We do have a kind and loving Savior who desires to give us good things, including the desires of our heart. But he's not going to give us those things if he knows those things are going to get in the way of us obeying the wisdom that he has for us. Right. So we need to learn the lesson that wisdom is its own reward. It's not about having the silver and the gold. Wisdom was also what God blessed Solomon with. He blessed him with everything else. But first, wisdom was its own reward. Those who follow the path of the wise will have a greater chance of leading happier, healthy lives. We read that. Those rewards are natural byproducts of obeying the wisdom of God. But wisdom doesn't always equal great riches. Wisdom doesn't always equal, you know, the materialistic things that we all want and desire. Because God, he might choose to bless us in other ways. Peace and joy, right? He might bless us in those ways which the Bible says are, are better to have than silver and gold. But if we're not careful, us desiring those things, those poor decisions we might make, they do lead us the opposite way towards poverty even. Proverbs 21 and 20 declares there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man spends it up. We must be weary of focusing too much on the gifts that come from wisdom. We know, right, Solomon was blessed. His kingdom was blessed. But Solomon's many, many wives, which I wouldn't argue was a blessing, <laughs> um, but Solomon's wives, the success his kingdom had, turned his heart away from God. Perhaps he forgot some of his own proverbs that he wrote and he started focusing on the gifts and the wealth. Wisdom also has the benefit, I said it earlier, of bringing peace. Solomon's very name comes from the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. We know that, right? Jehovah shalom. Or shalom, I'm sorry, I read my notes really word right there, shalom. 
David likely chose this name for his son out of a strong desire to put the fighting days behind him and to give his son a formidable kingdom where he could maintain peace. Solomon was a, his kingdom was a peaceful kingdom. And really, all of the wisdom God will give us will put us on a path to peace. But we must be wise enough to recognize when we deviated off of the path. And unfortunately, Solomon was not wise to that. Going back to Proverbs chapter 3, now we're in verse uh, 13 here. It says, happy is the man that finds wisdom and getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. She's talking about wisdom here. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Thinking about peace, that word shalom also not only means peace, but it also means wholeness. Solomon was blessed in many ways. He was given everything you could ask for or you could imagine at the time. Many people would consider having peace as having everything. If my life would just be peaceful, man, that would be enough. But often we have to understand the riches in the natural, they don't equate to peace. They, just because you have riches and everything doesn't mean you're peaceful, right? From a spiritual standpoint, we want peace. And the Bible tells us it's more than silver and gold. Solomon did not live up to his own name or the plans that his father had for him. He went astray in his love of numerous women, and he also went array in building the extravagance of his kingdom. The Bible tells us in the preceding chapters of 1 Kings chapter 11 that Solomon undertook numerous construction projects. If you read the chapters before 10 and, and 9 and 8, it tells us these things that Solomon did. We know that Solomon built the house of God. He built, he built the temple. And, and that was important. David had stored up all these things because God told him that his son would build the house. But after building the temple of God, Solomon would later go on to build a royal palace. He would build another palace for his Egyptian wife. He would build an elaborate throne room that even the Queen of Sheba would be impressed with. And he would go on to build all these structures around his kingdom that became so impressive for others to see. But 1 Kings chapter 12 tells us the error of King Solomon's ways here. It says, 1 Kings chapter 12, it says in verse 1, And Rehoboam went to Shechem. Rehoboam was Solomon's son. For all Israel were come to Shechem. Now it's time for Rehoboam to be made king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt that they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Your father, King Solomon, he made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us, make that lighter, and we will serve thee. You might be wondering what's happening here, but due to these construction projects that King Solomon had done. 
all the people of his kingdom were heavily taxed. He was making his own inhabitants, his own people, work like slave labor in order to make these grand palaces. And now that his son is becoming king after him, the people are coming up to his son and saying, don't behave like you did, like your father did. And if you do that, then we'll serve thee. Come to find out, Rehoboam didn't listen to his counsel. And he made the yoke on them even harder. And then we see that civil war actually breaks out in the kingdom. But Solomon's taxation policies, again, they eventually led to division of his kingdom. If the king had held on to the wisdom and the peace that God told him he would have, rather than continue to build his own in his own splendor, then he would have maintained a unified kingdom. During our lives, we may find ourselves on wild goose chases, pursuing things that are not of God. And what we should pursue is we should pursue wisdom. Because if we just stay on the road of wisdom rather than pursuing what we think makes us look better, talk about pride again, we start pursuing this and that, and we start deviating from the wisdom of God, then it will lead us away from the rewards that God has for us. We have a wise Lord and Savior who's more concerned about meeting our needs than giving us gifts that might lead us astray from his plan. We often thank the Lord for all the blessings that he gives us, but perhaps we should thank him for the unanswered prayers also that he doesn't give us. Prayers that we prayed that God wisely did not grant because he knew if he gave us what we wanted, it would take us away from him. Many things in life appear wise to our own eyes. They appear logical. They appear good. But what we really need is what Proverbs 3 and 21 says we need sound wisdom. Proverbs 3 and 21 says, my son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace unto thy neck. This wisdom thou shalt Walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. This wisdom that you have, this sound wisdom, when you lie down, you shall not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. In a world where many people offer advice and all forms of counsel, we must be careful to follow the right kind of wisdom. Worldly wisdom might have some benefits, but worldly wisdom alone will not lead us to the ultimate success that God has for us. If we're looking for a self-help book or, a, or a, a volume on wisdom, you don't need to look any further than your Bible. All the wisdom you need for the Lord is contained within it. And the last point I want to make this morning as I'm hurrying to a close is that true wisdom is only found in Jesus Christ. When we look in the New Testament, we discover true wisdom can only be found through the life and teachings of Jesus. Many people have called Jesus a wise philosopher, and he was. I believe, again, he's the wisest man to ever live. But he was so much more than just a wise person. Many people found the message of Jesus to be confusing, to be counterintuitive. Even today in our world, people look at the message of Jesus and they say it doesn't make any sense. Jesus talked about saving your life by losing your life. He talked about winning the ultimate battle through loss. His words made little sense even to the ones who followed him. And a lot of times the crowd, 
you know how many crowds followed Jesus. But a lot of those people in the crowd left because of the hard truths that Jesus was laying out. Even his disciples sometimes had difficulty understanding what Jesus was trying to convey. But if we want wisdom, we must obey the words of the Lord. The hardest part that people struggle with, and again, this this conflicts with pride, is that wisdom is not always about gaining something. In order to be wise, you must be willing to lose something as well. And the question is, and this is where the road gets hard when people come to the Lord, is what will we be required to lose? What's the breaking point for you if God starts pulling things out of your life? That's where the pride part comes in. The reality of the answer is that what God may be requiring you to lose is different for everybody. But the truth is we may or we might lose everything. Everything material, everything worldly, it may come at a loss when we try to enter into the kingdom of God. As I thought about this, I thought about some stories in the Bible like the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and he asks, what does it take to get to heaven? And the Bible tells us that Jesus tells him eventually to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. The Bible tells the rich young ruler, there's nothing wrong. He was wise. He was rich. He had all this fame. He even talked about how he obeyed the commandments of the Lord. He was doing the right things. But when God asked him to lose some things, the Bible tells he went away sorrowful. I also thought about the three Hebrew boys, right? They are sitting here. They hear the music. They see this monument of King Nebuchadnezzar, and they, they're dealt with a choice, and they're asked to bow. And if they don't bow, it's going to cost them everything. Their very life is on the line now. Both of these stories are oddly parallel with one another. The wisdom here was the decision the good judgment to make for both cases, the good judgment of what's the right choice to make because both were going to lose everything. One choice was given by a wicked king, another choice by the king of kings. And we know the three Hebrew boys, they were willing to risk it all. They were thrown into a fiery furnace, but God still was there with him in the fire, right? The other we see goes away sorrowfully, And really, he could have been a disciple of the Lord. Please stand with me as I come to a close this morning. We started with the book of 1 Corinthians when we read our opening text. And the Apostle Paul, he starts, he spoke of great reversals required to achieve wisdom. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3 and 18, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. And here Paul is speaking of the humility required to achieve wisdom. It may cost you the opinions of your closest friends. It may take the world calling you a fool. It may make you stand out from everyone else around you. And Paul is speaking from experience too, because as of a learned man in scripture, Paul realized he had acted like a fool when he had pursued the early Christians and put them to death. How foolish was he then? And here he is telling those in the book of Corinthians that they have to be fools on the other side 
on behalf of Jesus Christ. Paul had lacked the wisdom that could only come from an encounter with the God of all wisdom. And we know his life was changed when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in an attempt to correct their foolish behaviors. He stated in verse 25, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Through weakness, we know Jesus achieved victory over sin and death. And in doing so, he defied all of the humanity's logic. It just didn't make sense. We must exercise great caution if we focus on the wisdom of this world instead of the wisdom of God. To us, it may seem logical and profitable, but to God, it's foolishness. Paul ended 1 Corinthians by reminding us of the strong connection between wisdom and humility. He warned us that no flesh should glory in the presence of God. Instead, we must be humble. This humility leads us to being made wise through Jesus Christ. The last verses here in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Christ is the beginning of a better life, and that better life begins with wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I just want to offer this to everyone. Today, Jesus is calling us to deepen our relationship with him. And such a relationship goes beyond just we know God is our savior. We know God is, you know, our master. But Jesus is also here to counsel us and give us wisdom. Walking with Jesus will make us wiser than we could ever hope to be on our own. And if you want to choose wisdom today, then you must choose Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Lord, God, I pray today, Lord, that you would help us all to be wise. God, it's hard sometimes to be humble enough to admit not only that we're wrong, God, but that what we see with our own eyes, Lord, it looks okay. It looks right. It looks, God, like it should be what we should pursue. But oftentimes, God, that wise thing that we see in front of us is really not wise at all. I pray, God, help us to see things as you would see them. Help us to have the, the viewpoint that you have, God, so that we don't make foolish decisions, so that we don't make a, a, a decision, God, that will be costly in the end. I don't want to end up like King Solomon, Lord, blessed with wisdom, but so focused on the splendor and riches and the pride within myself, God, that I begin to deviate from where you want me to be. God, I pray help us today to grow closer to you and be wise. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to